0: Okay, so um you ready we'll get cracking. What are we doing? Uh no idea. <laughs> Good. And three, two, one. This is Dan Decker, host of Bad Choices in Bourbon, but I'll tell you what isn't a bad choice, catching up with Spock the Week. John Ferrick from Trek Culture, you are listening to Spock the Week podcast. Welcome back to Spock the Week uh, with me as always, your host, Albert Android and my good friend and fellow co-host, Gregor Cameron. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I don't know what time of day you're listening to it, so hopefully I've covered it. elite where applicable. So this is just a, a quick one uh, this week. Um just because we literally couldn't think of anything to to talk about um, we did put something out on social media but nobody got back to us hmm. nobody well what, what, got but... two listeners.
1: you you know you'd think one of them would have came back you
0: know Oh well, i know two listeners 47 yeah. followers and, blah, 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 and all that stuff so, but anyway we don't really we don't really have anything much to talk about this week so we just thought we'd get back to you and just have a little chit chat um to have a rant well no we're not ranting we're not letting I
1: like rant. i i would like to have a rant about apple tv
0: no we're not ranting about apple tv this is a star trek podcast so unless it has something to do with Star
1: Trek, i want a rant about apple tv because well, I subscribed so that I could get season two of For All Mankind, which were um, season two started on Friday and they've released one episode.
0: Well, they may very well release the next episode the following week. Yeah, but who does that now? You just you just put it all out there. I'm just gutted. Have you watched For All Mankind? Oh, because i don't have apple tv and i refuse to subscribe to apple tv
1: it's more star trek than star trek
0: well go on then tell us uh tell us a little bit about it then scene as you brought it well it's
1: the creator is none other than ronald d Miller. ah
0: okay never heard of him uh,
1: oh my god You call yourself a Star Trek fan? Of course, I'm bloody heard of you, twit. No, no, <laughs> I just, anything that comes out of your mouth is believable. Who's William Shatner? <laughs>
0: yeah, Spock. Who? Um, <sighs> so what's the what's the premise of the show What's
1: uh? Well, it's an alternative history of the space race. Okay where the presumption is that the Russians made it first to the moon. Interesting. And the effect that that would have on the space race.
0: Right, okay.
1: Without giving too much away, it means that Nixon is so angry, he pulls out of Vietnam almost uh, immediately so that he can throw all the resources at the space race. And then while Nixon's doing that, the Russians put a woman on the moon, so then he's willing to put Nixon. Then wants to put a woman on the moon, and because the Russians got there first, uh, Teddy Kennedy doesn't go to the party at Chappaquiddick and therefore doesn't kill the girl when he's pissed out his brain driving across the narrow bridge. Therefore, he becomes president after Nixon, um, and things like that. See, to be
0: honest CBT, with you, as with that's that's something that sort of annoys me a little bit because in order to watch that, I would need to subscribe to Apple TV. I would need to, um, you know, pay that money for for that. And it'd be just for that one TV show. Um, And I've never been, I've never been that kind of person. And it annoys me because it's the kind of thing I would actually enjoy watching because I do I do enjoy the alternative history um, style of of storytelling, um, particularly, like I say, the one thing that comes to mind is The Man in the High Castle, which is a, um, another version of an alternative history. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds like I mean, and you say it's uh, Ronald D. Moore's involved in this, and how exactly he's is the, it? He's the showrunner. He's, he's, he's the showrunner as well. um So, in your opinion, comparing that to. Um, to say the stuff that um, uh, Kurtzman's been coming up with for Star Trek. How does that mm-hmm. compare for you? Oh, it's light years apart, in
1: terms of quality and rating and everything. It's light years.
0: I mean, is it is it not a little bit unfair to sort of make that comparison, considering that it's uh, technically two different uh, two different genres of television? Or is it is it just purely simply, you know, well, because it's got Ronald D. Moore as a shoulder No, I mean, it's, it's, it is it's fair
1: to compare, compare them in terms they're not different genres, they're both science fiction. Um, where it is a bit unfair to compare them is you're comparing a show that's written by someone who's a genuine talent compared to someone who's a hack. That's where it's not fair, you know.
0: Well, to to be fair, though, I mean... I say everybody's opinions are like assholes we've said this before. Um I'm not I say I'm not I'm not promoting Kurtzman I'm not defending Kurtzman but you know I just I just feel like he does get a little bit of a, a bit of stick because at the end of the day he's it's not all it's not he, all gets, him, stick. he gets stick It gets stick because
1: he wrote Star Trek 2009 which is rubbish he wrote the Transformers movies which are rubbish
0: he wrote, the amazing,
1: he wrote The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is rubbish. They and didn't need to do that, but yeah, okay. CBS, for some reason, CBS decided this is the man for Star Trek and we need to chuck as much money as we possibly can. Hmm. Based on that CV, really?
0: I mean, I will give you... Um, you know, something that it's almost almost a three out of three on that. Particular. I agree with you with the Transformers movies. I didn't rate much. I mean... I was so excited when they came out. I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" Um, but have I watched them again? No. Did I watch them for the first time? Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. Would I watch them again? No, no not really. I just feel that uh, sometimes there's a, there is. I mean, I agree with you on a lot of the points with the, the what you're saying about Kurtzman and stuff. But I don't sort of dislike the man. But I think it's. Uh, do you think there's a, like an automatic prejudice towards the new stuff from people like yourself and myself who grew up and watched the originals and the tngs well, I, and the deep space I, I, I wanted to
1: like i wanted to like picard i didn't oh, choose oh, to yeah. hate it. i didn't choose to hate it with every cell in my body but i did but i wanted to like it i gave it a chance i watched it for well, i watched it all i watched every episode um mm-hmm. And actually, I was quite surprised the first couple of episodes because it wasn't a car crash right from the off, but then it very quickly became one midway through the season. So, at what
0: um, point sorry, did it? Uh, we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute, but carry
1: on. Um, you, know, you know, I wanted to like it, I wanted to like Discovery. You know, I, I, I didn't dislike with a passion season one of Discovery, I thought it was buying average. Um, some things I liked about it some things I didn't like about it didn't have a problem with them trying to do different things different it was just uh, almost immediately the tipping point with Discovery for me Mm -hmm. was episode one, season two that was the tipping point absolute car crash episode the least Star Trek episode or one of the least Star Trek episodes of any Star Trek I've ever seen
0: See I, 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 do, I disagree with you on that one because I it was I, th- I think to be honest with you it's not the, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Um I didn't dislike that episode because um I thought well it's kind of it plays into the went through a time uh, through a wormhole through time um and we all know about the temporal dynamics and whatever you know that you know sometimes people that can enter wormhole at one end immediately after each other don't necessarily exit the wormhole at the same time or at the same point. Um, so it was interesting for like Burnham to come out first and for that sort of I'm all alone here that was I, I you know I thought that was pretty good. Where I think they, they fell on their backsides with that one is that that should have been a development of two or three episodes but where they so what spoiled that for me was that it was like episode one, oh, look, we've got Burnham, she's all alone, blah, blah, blah. By episode two, the storylines jumped. You're talking about season three. I'm talking about episode oh, one, season Oh, season, season three, sorry.
1: Season two. You're just not with it today.
0: No, I'm not. You're, you're an hour and a
1: half late. <laughs> right, okay, so episode one, season two, we have this science officer who mansplains everything.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah? And we, you know. Then when they're doing their Empire Strikes Back flying through the asteroid belt scene and he's being all cocky, he gets killed. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. We, you have, know.
1: When have you ever seen a Star Trek story that treats... The audience like that where a crew member gets killed, a Starfleet crew member is killed and the audience is glad because it's been written in such a way that you're glad he's been killed because he's been such a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Where did the respect for life in Star Trek go when that's what they're writing? You know, sure, where has that ever happened?
0: Um, well, Actually, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, now we we're back on the same page here because you know, something wrong with well, at least right. we're on the
1: same episode now.
0: Honestly, um I don't know I don't know why I jumped uh, season when you said that, to be honest with you. Um but anyway, on that note, I I do agree with you. To be to be fair, it was almost like it was um it was a public display of we don't want mansplaining in the, you know, we're going to, oh, this this guy's mansplaining everything. Well, let's let's give you a visual clue of how we're going to treat that by, you know, him getting his comeuppance. Just don't do it. Just don't put it in there in the first place. I think it was a, I think it was a, not a cheap shot, but um, I think it was a, an unnecessary little caveat in the middle of the episode uh i mean let's be honest with you it is an issue uh but the end of the day um it's i just don't think it was necessary in that episode um but i think to be honest with you, season two season two started off well for me um it was going good we could okay we had pike we had, we've seen the Enterprise. We thought, okay, fair enough. This is, this is different. But then what spoiled season two for me was the fact that when you get to the bit where I think somebody realized very quickly that, oh, right, we have a crossfield staff, a crossfield class staff we ship that can jump, that can do X, Y, and Z, that does all these things. But yeah, there's no mention of it anywhere in any Star Trek canon, fandom, whatever. You we need well, to get rid are, of this. And I'm, I think you, it was I'm a bit
1: rushed. I'm going to defend Kurtzman here, right? for it. This Right. All this, you know, making it 10 years before Enterprise, the flying mushroom spaceship, um, making the first officer the center of the story, that was not Kurtzman. That was Brian Fuller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Curtzman's made a dog's dinner of it since then, but all those elements were Brian Fuller.
0: No, so I it was think Brian
1: Fuller that came up with a mushroom the spore thing.
0: But on on that note, I think now that um, even though, to be honest with you, it's not it's not my cup of tea the way that Burnham's ended up in the captain's seat, um, because for me that just basically says you can be insubordinate and still become a captain. Um, or, you, or you can be as useless as Tilly and be first officer. No, I disagree with that. I, d- I disagree with Why? that. Um, Why? Why
1: would you make an ensign first officer above all the other more experienced officers?
0: Yeah, okay. And
1: don't say Star Trek 2009, because Kirk done it. Who wrote, Who wrote 2009?
0: But the thing is, she was only... She was only and i think to be honest with you right that uh saru did that pure and simply because it was an opportunity to give uh to give tilly some experience because that's where she wants to be that was you know where i think that falls on it falls on its behind a little bit is when he leaves her in charge of the ship or she ends up being left in charge of the ship um and that's like that's like me putting somebody that's just in the job for five minutes on the bus and just saying right there you go, go up to the end of the route and come back. I'll be here when you wait. You know, I'll wait here for you. Um, I th- I think to be honest with you, I think it was an interest. It was an interesting character uh, character sort of story for me because I do like Denzel's character, and I was interested to see where that would go. And it didn't go the way I thought it was going to. It didn't go. Didn't put any thought into it. That's no, ex- exactly. Um, but that being said, we now have all the things that have gone before. Let's just draw a line in the sand. Boom, We're season four. Um, Burnham's now in the captaincy, which means that we are now back to how Star Trek traditionally has been, where the center character has always been in the hot seat, the captain's chair. Um so now we have that, let's move on forward. Now hopefully, and I am being extremely I am I am extremely hopeful for this, is that they do this properly. They do this, um the stories are there and stuff like that, but what I want to see is um a development and an explanation of what the deal is with Suru. What's happening with him and why we didn't see the formal handing over of the captaincy in the end of season three. Because that was like did de, okay Sarus, so and all of a sudden Burnham's in the captaincy seat, and I said, Whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. You know, I mean, maybe it's just a personal preference, but whenever there's a change of command, there's there's always some formal you know, it's, you know, Starfleet has always done it. It's a, you know, it's a, a sort of a not a military organization, but it takes a lot of military and naval traditions on board. So, and when we see that in the the Abrams movie, where uh, Pike and uh, Kirk exchange command uh,
1: stuff oh, like that. Yeah, that that I mean that had lasting repercussions, didn't it? That must have been about five minutes that lasted. Um...
0: Yeah. yeah, Um but anyway, by the by, <laughs> it ha- it, ha- it happened. So that's what I think was missing. Uh, I just hope that now that they've sort of realigned, if you like, that it goes forward and does does well. Um, what I th- the one thing that sort of the one of the few things that actually do nip for me a little bit about Discovery is we've had some what I personally think to be good characters have come into the show. And they've lasted all of five minutes. And that's what's annoyed me, is that the... I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not... Um, Burnham's not my top character, but she's not she's not a bad character, and I don't dislike the character. She's just, just not my favourite. Um, but she's been consistent in it. Um, Tilly is in my, you know... Burnham's in the top five right but Tilly's in the top 5 what i want to see more but i know for a fact that she's not going to be in it as much as what i'd like because uh, of the covid restrictions and stuff like that is um, technical the character um reno i think that an engineer of a starship a chief engineer of a starship has always had that that character Something about the character which has made them, has defined them, um, makes them a little bit so I mean LaForge was was very oh, trying to describe I'm not trying to think of the best way to describe it. LaForge he was, he
1: was, La was the oldest virgin on the Enterprise.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. And you had Scotty who was very witty and very and the you know, the one liners and stuff like that. They had the character and I think sort of Reno is very much for me, in a similar similar vein to to Scotty, in the in the sort of the, the very quick witted and very resourceful nature that she has, I mean, I, I love that character. I, I like Stamets, but not as much as I like Reno. One of the a couple of the other, I mean, I, l- I liked uh, Lorel's character, and we're, that's now gone because they've jumped all the way into the future. It would have been interesting to see how that uh, how that panned out, um, her uh, chancellorship. Maybe we'll see, you know, maybe we'll get some flashbacks in the future, who knows? Season three, Rin's their character, that annoyed me a little bit, because there was, for me, I was seeing Rin's character sort of develop a little bit in a couple of episodes we've seen, in it, and I was like, oh, this could be one of those redemption Development storylines like we got with sort of rehabilitations and stuff like that. We've got seven at nine and stuff like that. And I really liked his the way he came across on the screen. And then for them to just go, boom, no prior warning, no setup, don't ever really get shot, gone, vaporized. And I feel yeah, it proves it proves that they're not no one's sacred, but I think you know, just as you start to get to to know a character, just as you start to get to um connect with a character, it's they've done it a couple of times now. They did it with um oh, what was uh I forget the name off the top of their heads, the um the augmented uh human character, the um oh what was her name now? I've had a brain fart help me out here. I
1: don't know who I don't know who uh, Arian. Okay. Arian. I don't
0: know, you know who Arium is, don't you? Well, her, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh yeah, we've got one yeah, I know who Arium is. I don't know who Ren is.
0: Um well obviously no, you um, don't because you've not seen you've not seen season three, so um, but no, this is a common
1: this is a common theme with the kurtzman led storytelling. Um, uh, you know they, they'll they'll introduce something that could be interesting. Um I mean, going back to season two, episode one, they make a big thing about introducing Tignataro as the chief engineer, or making her the chief engineer, but then you don't see her for four episodes. Um, In Picard, you had these Romulan housekeepers, and just as you're starting to find them interesting, poof, they're gone. They're uh, farming grapes while Picard's out, running about the galaxy with Rios. Rafi, Jesus Christ. And. Uh, oh,
0: that ticket, you've got a, a bit of an issue with Rafi. <laughs> huh?
1: What was she for? Seriously, what was the character Rafi for in Picard? What did she do?
0: Well, I, I, I don't think it was about what she did. She about
1: calling on GL. And that was about it. I
0: think. What was she for? I think, to be honest with you, I think there was a. Was an attempt to sort of not distance Picard from Starfleet but um, to sort of like almost put his character into the civilian world by um, these people who are in his circle and um, Raffi's in his circle, she knows people, she knows She, she knows who the ship hit, you know somebody who had the ship, she had her reasons for being on the ship because she wanted to go and find, I think it was, was it a son or something? Um, so each person on Picard's little merry banded ship has their reasons for being there. I don't think it was, personally, it, there was so much going on, it, not confusing, but a little bit overwhelming in places. The only thing that I saw sort I of didn't like about that was, um, oh, what was. Um, what was that guy's character's name well i'll i'll say this the the lord of the rings yeah. pseudo ninja Romulan. yeah what was he for
1: chopping people's heads off that's very star trek as well
0: you know um again another example of bringing somebody in and then getting rid of them hugh i mean i would have liked to have had hugh in the scene you know for at least a season and a half two seasons at least admittedly whether you whether you agree with it or not, I would have liked for Eceb's character to be actually played by Eceb's actor. Not ripping his eye out would have been a good start. <laughs> well, the thing is, I know I know why they did it. I think it was a little bit unfair to be honest with you, but but no, overall, I mean I I, I did enjoy the card. But there was like I say, there was issues with it and I've lost my train of thought, which is Usually what happens with these things when we have random episodes. Yeah, I know. Um, Right. um, Well, I'm just, I did ask, like I said, we did ask a question on social media. What should we talk about? And Frank McCrabble basically said. Oh, well, we've fucked that up. He said, I suggest something nice, light and funny, such as, for example, our next travel destination somewhere we want to visit at all costs
1: our next travel destination so not our favorite place that we've been
0: not a favorite place we've been somewhere we would go i, th- I think if i'm understanding this correctly um somewhere where we would go where regardless of you know money or no objects uh be damned if we don't place we would go other than
1: rice where you can go and have mad sex orgies all day
0: well, I tell you what, let's let's split this down the middle, right? Let's do oh. uh let's do a real a real place, a real location, and then we'll do the and then we'll do a Star Trek version. We'll start with you, Vengar, I guess. We'll start with you, go for it. Mm.
1: Okay, I'll start with the honourable mentions, um, which would be India, Sri Lanka, Cambodia, Japan. Um, but I think where I would like to go next would be Namibia.
0: Namibia. Okay. Namibia interesting any particular reason?
1: The um it'd be quite interesting. You've obviously you've got the Namib Desert, you've got the skeleton coast, um, lots of wildlife and the world's highest sand dunes. So you wanted a to a, a bit of a you, photographer's dream.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, that would be amazing to go to places like that to be honest with you. I mean I, I like to see them places on TV. I like to look at the pictures and stuff like that don't think it's of somewhere I would go, but you mentioned a place there which was going to be my selection, which would be Japan. Um because I do have a little bit of an affinity for the uh, for the culture, uh, for the for the way of life, uh, the food. I'm currently reading up on several Japanese and stuff like that. Um also reading up about Zen, a few other things as well. Uh, so yeah, Japan would be the the place i would love to go mainly as well because they have one of the most efficient railway systems anywhere in the world oh you just yeah. had to get trains in here didn't you of course i did of course i did just have to get trains in here but yeah that's uh that's where i would go uh at all costs would be my next place to go and of course um it goes without saying that um seeing as he was the only one that actually made a comment on this particular question um i would go and visit frank in napoli. In Na- In napoli napoli, napoli. Home. home of the pizza home of the pizza Oh, genuine pizza not but frank's
1: men- not a very italian an italian name is it it's um
0: well he's if it, i'm sure he won't mind me explaining he is very much italian um uh his property is francesco um I don't know his second name he's not say he's not told me his second name, but uh, Macravel is uh, his uh, twitter handle. um but yeah, his uh, first name is, is Frank is the uh, english English version of Francesco. so it makes sense um but yes he is uh, he, go, he he considered himself to be um a viking a Roman viking Italian viking
1: Roman viking.
0: Yes. I've never been
1: to solo I've never been to southern Italy I have been to Rome though Sarah and I had a week in Rome a few years ago
0: I briefly traveled oh. through Italy never stopped but uh, we traveled through Italy on our way to Croatia needless to say it was an experience uh, we managed to there was no other way there was no way to avoid this but we managed to hit the uh, Milan uh ring road system right on rush hour and <laughs> yeah that is certainly an experience driving a coach through italy past milan at rush hour lane what lane uh even the hard shoulders are lane have you um, ever
1: driven talking about driving experiences have you ever driven around the chance um the Arc the triumph
0: No, uh, I haven't, Mm. and and it is one of. There's two things that I've always wanted to do that I've never had the chance to do, and probably will not get the chance again given my uh, career path at the moment. But two of those things is one of them was the Champs Elysees and the Arc de Triomphe, and the other was the Milau Bridge in the south of France, which I believe is the highest road bridge in Europe. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's in, I don't know if it's the highest road bridge in the world, but it's definitely the highest road bridge in Europe. But I wanted to drive up. But there was a time when I got close to doing that. It was it was a case of the we were heading down to the uh, to the to the uh, north east of Spain, and we had the option to go that way, but the coach wasn't behaving itself, and we had to go the long way around because to get to the Milel bridge, it's quite a climb. It's a coach mm-hmm. killer. Um, And to be fair, the coach wouldn't have made it up to the top of the hill without breaking down um, because it would have just wrecked it. So yeah, the Milau Bridge and the uh, Triomphe are the two things I wish I'd done, but I haven't. However, I have driven through the Gothard Tunnel.
1: Which one is that? The Mont Blanc
0: tunnel? Uh, no, it's not the Mont, uh, not the Mont Blanc one. Uh, the Gothard one is the one where you go from. Uh, it's in uh, Switzerland. Longest road tunnel in Europe, and yes, that is certainly an experience, uh, especially when you're passing mm-hmm. other vehicles as big as you, in with literally millimeters to spare, uh, because it is quite a narrow, narrow thing. That was an experience. There was a time not when
1: gone. I'm on, I'm on Wikipedia, and basically they're all in all the highest bridges in the world. are basically in China now. There's, uh, uh, although, coming in at number 29 is the Mike O'Callaghan-Pat Tillman Memorial Bridge over the Colorado River, um, which stands at a height of, I've lost it, uh, number 29, 29, which stands at a height of 323 meters above the river, so it's 1,060 feet. Uh, and I, I've walked across that one, so I've been on one of them.
0: Now there is there is a bridge over the M62 motorway in the north of England, mm-hmm. which is quite high over the over the motorway itself. But it's that um, it, it doesn't quite it doesn't quite count because it's quite high. It's it's uh, the highest one above sea level. But when you uh, they measure these things from the actual ground itself to the to the deck of the bridge so it's not the highest one above sea uh the highest one above sea level but it's the highest one above the ground uh but this one's quite uh, i can't remember exactly how many feet above sea level the deck is but it's i mean you, you kind of sort of um would expect it to be the highest one above sea level when it's the highest motorway above sea level in the united kingdom
1: yeah so i been on that one been on the 29th highest bridge in the world there you go
0: I've not, exactly. No, I've not I've not been on that one, so <laughs> I've not even been to the States. Um I'm sure by the time I ever get a chance to go to the States there'll probably not be much of it left to go to. Um especially uh, especially after the snow. I mean if there's if there's anybody if the if the guy the guy or the last from Texas is listening please get in touch and let us know what your experience of your snow apocalypse was because the interesting thing I mean I joked about this in the previous episode but that's all you know but but the thing is is the they are on about power outages and stuff like that is the way that the the system in the states the power system is, is set up it's so archaic it's it's ancient uh but it's all private companies that will not invest in the infrastructure until it breaks which is a shame uh could i mean but then again we're not going to go into that too much because that's a whole different thing i mean we've, we've already spent a lot of time on a star trek podcast not talking about star trek oh, is this a star
1: trek podcast <laughs> allegedly okay. Oh,
0: okay the other part of that was if you could do a star trek destination um, I mean, I'm ad-libbing a little bit with Frank's suggestion, but uh, I'm sure it won't <laughs> mind. But um, what would you... Where would you go? I mean, obviously, the obvious one is Riser. But let's just say Riser's not on the cards. What, what would you what would you do?
1: I, I'd go to Deep Space Nine. Gosh, you would. Yeah, Dabo Tables, would it yeah. be? Oh, I have met Lita, to be honest. Ah, um, I, met, I met Lita a couple of years ago. Our,
0: uh, our um, second officer, Mr John Brogan, um, actually bumped into... Uh, Case um, in Birmingham. And I mean, when I say bumped in, actually bumped into her, mm-hmm. which, yeah, um, he probably still talks about that today. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his socks. <laughs> fantastic singer, by the way. Yes, she's a good singer. Oh, absolutely um, fantastic singer.
1: So, um, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go to Deep Space Nine and walk along the promenade and maybe take a, a about through the wormhole
0: i would i would go to i would probably go to Denobla, denobula
1: denobula denobula mm. because you can have multiple ways in denobula hell,
0: you know from anthropo- anthropological point of view it would be an interesting place to go and study the social dynamics and stuff like that of the Denobulas hopefully sooner rather than later we can get mr john billingsley on board and he can enlighten us as to <laughs> um some of those social constructs. i yeah,
1: John Billingsley. Oh, check you out. I've had a beer with John Billingsley in quarks. What do you need me for? Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because you've been to Vegas. Mr. Billingsley came over and had a beer with Sarah and me. And we had a chat. And we put the world to rights. And then we you said know. to him, We're going to Death Valley the next day. And he went, What? Death Valley in August? Are you crazy? Well that
0: is, you know something, that was, uh, seeing as you mentioned uh, places and places you'd like to go and, and stuff like that. I was I was amazed to find out that uh, Death Valley was the hottest place on Earth. I always used to think it was somewhere like the, the, the Sahara or something like that, you know, but no, Death, Death Valley in the United States.
1: Yeah, because you're about
0: 290 feet, I think it is, below sea level. Is it really that?
1: hmm
0: Oh, bloody hell. Absurd. Oh, I'll tell you what, you know, why do we need to go and visit other worlds when we've got such amazing, amazing things here right on this little planet that we don't—most people don't know anything about. and I went to the Grand Canyon. It was okay. You know, you know something. Um, I always remember there was a um, there was a guy I, spo- I met when I was working uh, from the States, and we had an interesting conversation about places like the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. And he made an interesting comparison because he said everybody goes to America, everybody goes to the Grand Canyon, they go to Mount Rushmore, they go to the um, Yosemite National Parks and stuff like that. They go to New York, they go to Washington, they go to Los Angeles, San Francisco, and every single one of those places you go to them, you see them, and it's a case of box ticked. You, you you go there and you are like, yep, I've done it and this is pretty much it. But he said when and he said this is this is the reason he keeps coming back to Scotland. He told me is that every time he comes back to Scotland, he gets that wow new experience every single time. It never gets old. Um, and I mean, obviously, like I say, I mean it's all a matter of perspective some people you know have different perspectives but I've, it it's it kind of sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit because that sort of uh mindset was the first time i went to see stonehenge right now every time i've seen stonehenge on tv and read about it in books and seen about uh seen it on documentaries and stuff like that it looks like this amazing and it is it is an amazing uh historical um monument but you you get this image in your head of this is going to be an amazing thing to see and like i said on a coach door drove down there parked up went for a look and it was rather and i don't mean that in a sort it was it was i don't know whether i was expecting more from it but you know what i'm getting well
1: i think the thing with the thing with something like stonehenge is as a visual spectacle in itself, um, it's not much to look at. Uh, where I think you do get more out of Stonehenge is if you really know the history and the mystery about it. Mm. And then it's only then when you actually see it you get the full appreciation of, of what it is. But if you're going there expecting to be blown away and you know nothing about Stonehenge other than it's just 5,000
0: year old stones, you're just like, mm, well, yeah, I know, I know enough. enough. And, and and to be honest with you that wasn't it for me though i mean because i know enough about stonehenge to to be fascinated by you know um because it has like to say there's there's elements of ancient alien theory um about it as well as the you know people believe that you know was it how did it get there how did they make you know because the stones themselves those, are not that, from the locale those people those people that believe that they're not getting the
1: COVID vaccination are they
0: careful because I do genuinely believe that we have been visited by extraterrestrials in the past because there are certain things on this planet in in history that cannot be simply explained
1: doesn't mean it's not evidence of aliens no we've never been visited we've never been visited and it is highly unlikely we will ever be visited now here's the thing highly unlikely here's the thing highly unlikely we're ever going to
0: visit here's the thing right I mean I'm not saying it's categorical proof all i'm saying is that it's it's a pl- plausible theory right. um it's like i say it has not been proven but uh, neither has well, anybody be- i think neither I has think anybody just, been able to prove
1: we've just picked listen this is our next episode why right this is our next episode yeah You're to do. Convince me that aliens built stonehenge in the pyramids
0: okay right <laughs> have you not seen stargate
1: come on pyramids oh jesus christ that is not a documentary what wait it's not a Stargate. is not a documentary
0: they even hired they even hired macgyver to lead the team through the stargate i mean come on
1: not in the film it was uh james spader in the film yes and kurt russell
0: and to be perfectly honest with you, I uh, I am so glad they went with uh, Richard Dean Anderson for the TV series because I, you know, nailed it. But anyway, that is another. book. On that note, um, like I said, I did say this was going to be a relatively short one this week. And apologies for those of you who tuned in for a Star Trek podcast because uh, we've talked very little Star Trek. But at the end of the day... Cool. We have been talking about science fiction. We have been talking. We talked a little bit about ancient aliens. Um, Gregor didn't we mention. Answered, we answered Frank's question. We answered Frank's question. The only person to re- Please, guys, just email in messages. Doesn't matter. Give us something to talk about. Give us something to chew on. If there's a sp- you don't
1: give us something to talk about, you'll just have to suffer more of this rubbish.
0: I know this was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> this will be this will be the episode that gets zero downloads (laughs) well thank you uh if you did tune in for this week um don't worry guys the next episode will be more or less back to normal and we thank you for everybody that does listening every week we thank you for coming back and putting up with us and as always let us know why you do that is it because you've got nothing better to do um is it because you like gregor's accent whatever it is let us know um because every feedback is positive feedback and every criticism is constructive criticism we don't mind we welcome it because we do this for you guys so please come and let us know what you think thank you for listening to sparkler week tune in next week for more sparkler week action and never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on the catcher that you are listening to us on. If you want to follow us on Twitter, then you can find us at SporkTheWeek, drop us a message, tell us how we're doing, or make a suggestion. We're welcome to all input from all our fans. So don't hesitate to get in touch and follow us on Twitter and on our Facebook page as well. Why not join us in 10 forward if you like what we do and want to say thank you. The link for our Buy Me A Coffee page is in the show notes. So please check that out and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. If not, we'll see you next week. Live long and prosper. It's up to you. As long as you come back next week and listen to us once again, we'd be happy to have you back. Live long and prosper. Oh, hello. Yeah. We have a little invader. And <coughs> I have just been joined by my son. Hi, Neelix. Yeah. Say hi. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hiya. Hiya. Hiya.
1: Hiya. Can we have you, Neelix, instead of your dad the next day?
0: Okay. Okay, he just said okay. On that note, I've been been the Alba Android. He's been the actor of it, Ginger. Follow us on Twitter and uh, on Facebook and um, we shall see you next week. Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep, <laughs> beep. Um, just... Beep, um, he, he seems to think that my... Beep, um, beep. <laughs> he seems to think that my... Uh, microphone is a beep, beep. <laughs> so, yeah, followers um We'll see you next week. And live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, folks.